This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 6, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. So-called Buy American policies harm U.S. businesses, workers, consumers, and taxpayers. It's a bad idea that seems to get killed over and over and comes back every time. Cato's James Backus is author of the new paper, The High Price of Buying American, available today. Buy American, the notion that it is preferable for Americans to buy American or be compelled by statute to buy American, perhaps merely cajoled to buy American by statute. This seems like one of these ideas that are economically sort of difficult to justify, and yet we see them crop up in legislation over and over again, and the arguments seem to be largely always the same. Is that fair? That is fair. That's precisely what happens. I have an interesting vantage point here in that I'm, of course, a former member of Congress. So I know how hard it is to stand before local constituents back home and explain to them why buying America, which sounds so patriotic, is not the best thing for America. It's uh, rather like the concept of comparative advantage itself. It's uh, counterintuitive. That's not a word I would ever have used in a town meeting back home, but it simply means that what seems supposedly obvious is not in fact correct. And what's correct is that buying American has the effect of restricting competition. And restricting competition, whether it's domestic or foreign, always shrinks the economy ultimately and thus shrinks our future. So buying American is not really good for Americans. Well, let's understand what the argument is then generally, which is uh, when you buy a product that was made in America, you're keeping U.S. dollars in the United States those dollars get turned over, and that's preferable to sending those U.S. dollars to China or India or Bangladesh or somewhere where a product may have been assembled and then just shipped Well, over let's here. look at this, uh, Caleb, from several perspectives. Uh, first, from the perspective of the American taxpayer, we want to make certain that our tax money is used in the wisest possible way. By acquiring that we buy American, we are increasing costs of what we purchase, and therefore we are spending more tax dollars when the Buy America provisions are a requirement of uh, government purchases. Also, when a government, as it's starting to do now, is telling businesses that they cannot obtain governmental subsidies unless they buy American, that has the effect generally, of increasing prices. So it's what amounts to an invisible tax on consumer purchases. American people are very much akin to the price of protectionism itself, which is a hidden tax. And it's one, I might add, that falls most heavily on the poorest among us. It is certainly an example of some supposedly laudatory flag-waving But Buy American has the impact at the short-term benefit 
of perhaps saving a few American jobs in the near term, of costing far more American jobs in the longer term. When members of Congress vote on these kinds of issues, they very rarely think about opportunity costs, what economists call opportunity costs, which are the costs of what we will not receive because we're taking uh, this protectionist action. And these opportunity costs can take many forms, for example, in raising prices for inputs by requiring that the inputs be American goods that are not competitive with foreign goods in terms of price. We simply add to the ultimate price of the end products produced by American businesses. And this, of course, diminishes the competitiveness of these American-made products in the domestic markets and in export markets as well. This is really the myopia of Buy American. What seems so appealing in the short term is very economically deleterious in the long term. There are different ways that members of Congress and people who support Buy American provisions uh, make their claims or try to build uh, their preferences into policy. One of those is domestic content for products that are sold in the U.S. Can you explain that concept to me? Because I've heard it many different times, and I'm still a little fuzzy on how that is supposed to function. Domestic content is mostly another way of saying by American. If a company is producing a product from various inputs, then a domestic content requirement is a mandate that these inputs be made in America. And for the reasons I just explained, this can be extremely costly, especially over the long term in terms of the competitiveness of these American-made products in domestic and third markets. Whenever I hear about uh, Buy American provisions, it's almost always talking about final goods, shoes, flatware, iPhones, that sort of thing, that where there is this impulse to say, hey, well, we just need this to be made in America. But of course, half of what the U.S. imports are not finished goods. They're not goods that are going to be used directly by consumers. They're inputs to making stuff. So to what extent are those intermediate goods subject to buy American provisions and, and creating yet another expense for people who make products in the U.S. and want to sell them? Well, by and large, the domestic content requirements are requirements that affect intermediate goods. These are the goods that go into the making of a final product. Rather than focusing on where the last incident of transformation is in the polishing of a product for final production, we should be focusing instead on the value added along the way into the making of products. This is what matters most. We want to get more of the value added. And uh, we can add more value and share that value in terms of economic gains among the American people if we purchase intermediate goods for uh, the best price and for the best quality, wherever they may be produced. Distorting the market decision in order to privilege domestic intermediate goods is economically ultimately suicidal. 
James Backus is author of the new Cato paper, The High Price of Buying American. It's available today. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.